All right, let's just all calm down. Here we go. You're not gonna say it. Somebody should. Let's talk about two time. Let's talk about bum one, yeah. Asking the questions that nobody could. Like where are the bone dogs in? Are they in harmony? Buddy. Welcome. We're back in the studio. Feeling good. Feeling great. How are you? Um, I had a birthday. For my birthday, I took a like 10, 11 mile walk. I had a Poon Master Flex drop me off like 10 miles from home with a backpack full of beers. And then I walked and drank the beers. Um, I drank them until they were gone, and then on the way, I stopped at a, like, uh, convenience store for more beers, and then, uh, was kind of like, eh, I drank half of one of the ones I got, and it was some pretty disgusting IPA or something, and was like, this was a mistake, and dumped it out somewhere, and then also was kind of like, you know, I hit that sweet spot of drunk, and then kind of pushed through the wall and was like, maybe I hit the sweet spot of drunk. The problem with the sweet spot of drunk is that it's uh, also the point at which you're like, I could be a little more drunk or So you give that a shot and it's uh, usually a mistake. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're back in the studio after a long pot of ween and then like a two week layoff here, three week layoff. Um, but I hope you enjoyed pot of ween. If you didn't, fuck off. Uh, today we have, um, I came across a Wikipedia art. Well, first we have, oh my god. First we have a uh, list of things. We have some mail that I've received because, uh, as one of these says, I am the business owner of Helpful Snowman LLC. And as a result, I get the uh, more than occasional offer for something. Let's see what we've got here. Oh, this is for a business credit card. This, uh, one thing I've learned from making an LLC is that banks are super irresponsible. They, I have gotten so many things from banks that were like, don't you need like a $5,000 cash advance card or something? And I'm like, you would not be offering this if you had any idea. Uh, this is another one for a bank card. This is for a bank I've never even heard of. Oh my god, okay. Dear business owner, now it's fast and easy to get the money you need for your business. Just call us or go online and use the account number on your card to activate your account. Uh, my business has already been pre-qualified, so there's no long paperwork or waiting period. Thank god. Thank god I'm pre-qualified. That's <laughs> exactly what I need. I can get up to $300,000 in as little as 24 hours. Um, there's no upfront, upfront fees. There's an early payoff discount. Uh, there's a QR code on this that is so fucking small, there's no way it even works. I, I want to start, like, I should start keeping these fake cards. Just as, like, a, to make a little shrine to my business or something. 
you know, everybody keeps their first dollar, but uh, I can't really do that because I don't get dollars from this. Someone should send me a dollar. If someone sends me a dollar, it will be my first and only dollar, like cash dollar that I've made doing this. So I guess it would get framed, even though it's like, you know, 10 years in or something. Oh yeah, here's another. Okay, so here's one for four hundred thousand dollars. Oh no, I'm only quali I'm only pre-qualified for forty-one thousand seven hundred and thirty-nine dollars. So this is kind of bullshit. Um, you know, I should tell this bank like, hey, this other bank pre-qualified me for three hundred k, almost ten times as much as you pre-qualified me for. What's the deal? You don't know, like uh. You don't like my business? You don't approve of my business model? Have you perhaps looked into my business model slightly? And that's why you don't approve of it? That would be pretty reasonable, to be honest. That's a, that's our mailbag. That's how we do our mailbag on this show. We just, like, go through the uh, fake credit card offers we've gotten as a result of becoming an LLC. So, uh, congratulations to us. It's been mostly fake credit card offers and the occasional um, thing from California where they're like, I don't know why this is a California thing, but they send you a thing that's like, hey, you have to have these HR posters hanging at your work. Otherwise, you're committing a crime and someone can prosecute you for it. And I'm like, uh, I don't think that's true. But even if it was, I'm the only employee, so... I guess I could lodge a complaint against myself that I don't have these posters hanging in my home, maybe? I don't know. I don't know how that works. It seems like a scam. It seems like probably a state law, but also... What's funny about those posters is they do hang in the break room at my work, and I know that our HR person is, like, very into that and like being all legal and stuff. And I'm like, did you look into this? Is this actually required? Should I just Google this right now? I've got sticky stuff on my fingers from these damn cards. From all these, all this money I'm being offered is sticking my fingers together. Let's see, HR poster uh, requirement scam. Let's see. Oh, yeah, here we go. Labor law poster vendor scams from GovDocs. Um. <laughs> this scam looks like an urgent poster update notification with legal jargon about fines for noncompliance. But if, uh, upon further investigation, it turns out to be an order form for a new labor law poster set. The vendor's intention is to trick you into ordering new, perhaps unnecessary, posters with the attached form. However, you and or your location should not purchase the new poster set, as the sender does not actually know any of your company details or compliance needs. Too often, those who receive these notifications will submit payment in fear of non-compliance and receive a poster that doesn't meet their needs. There you go. That seems like exactly kind of what I thought. Oh yeah. Here's another one. Um, they send you threatening mailers. Yeah, this is it. You may have received one of these. A letter or notice that may have the words final notice or suspension of coverage. 
These official-looking mailers may say that you will face fines up to $17,000 or more if you do not purchase the mandatory labor law posters required by state and federal governments. Ignore them. These mailers are simply marketing materials used as bait in hopes of scamming small businesses into a web of never-ending sales pitches and phone calls. Unsuspecting victims who fall for this tactic sometimes find themselves ordering what seems to be a pretty good deal on a set of labor law posters. Shortly after, they are bombarded with threatening phone calls and pressure to buy more posters, some of which may not even be mandatory. What initially seems like a small investment could leave you 400 down the drain with more posters than you know what to do with. Let's try this. Are labor law posters required? Um, uh-oh. All Colorado businesses with at least one employee are required to display certain notices advising employees of their rights in the workplace. These mandatory federal and state labor law posters must appear in conspicuous places accessible to all employees, such as break or lunch rooms. Oh, shit. So far, no employees, though. Oh, but here you go. Uh, <laughs> here you can download them for free. Uh, where can I download free posters? They're limited where you can do them uh, free of charge. Federal and state agencies. There you go. Oh, and this thing is like trying to be like, however, most of the state government websites are not user-friendly, confusing, and provide outdated links to downloadable PDF files. All mandatory industry and recommended posters can be conveniently downloaded on this page where I am now. This is such a scam. This is a great scam to get into. It's like, well, I could I could do it for free and just fucking print them or I guess pay nine bucks and get all of them. But, you know, these these guys are just basically going through the list of like Colorado state labor law posters and then putting them in a, a folder and being like, we'll give you the folder for nine bucks. What a deal. Speaking of, um, I found a list of internet phenomena. This is a, a Wikipedia article. Because I, you know, I saw it and was like, maybe I'm on here. Not really, I didn't really think that. Neither did you, let's be honest. But um, I just thought it would be fun to go through, see what's on here. And uh, see, see what happens. So we've got some different categories, advertising and products, animation and comics, challenges, dance, email, film and television, gaming, images, music, people, politics, video, other phenomena. I'm kind of most interested in other, but maybe we have to go through actual before we do other. It's kind of like doing the miscellaneous category first, because then you're like, what is this even? So let's do products. Beanie Babies, uh, which are cited as the world's first internet sensation in 1995. I do remember these being a sensation because I went to visit. Um, I have an uncle who, you know, always he's kind of like the wacky neighbor on a sitcom. Like he usually has a, a scam running. And um, at one point I was out there and his son was pretty young. And his son, like in 1995, I would have been. 12 so he was probably like six or seven and you know they were getting these beanie babies and explaining how this all because i had i hadn't even heard of fucking beanie babies but i think the guy who uh 
started that whole thing was maybe in Chicago. And uh, so maybe, maybe it hit there first. But there was like, for some reason, every few years, not every few years, maybe every decade, some like little trend kind of comes about that, you know, people are convinced they're going to retire off these fucking beanie babies, right? They're like, oh yeah, if you get the rarest one, you'll retire off of them. Um, I don't know if I've told this tale on here before, but I used to, you know, I worked at McDonald's. Let's see, this is when I was 12, was in 1995, and I was there when I was 15, so three years later. Um, I guess they were still a thing, or maybe that's when they hit small town Colorado, <laughs> three years later. And I worked a register there, and one of the things that McDonald's did back then that was pretty smart was they, uh, they had specific things in the Happy Meals, but you could only get them uh, if you bought something. So, like, the first one I remember was they had this Inspector Gadget toy, but it had, like, eight different toys that combined. They Voltron together to make, like, Inspector Gadget, and you could do all this different shit, right? And that was, like, an endless parade of complaining parents. Because they would come in and they'd be like, do you have the, like, right leg? Or, you know, they, I don't know, it would have some goofy name, like, the super oscilloscope or something. And you'd be like, no. And then they would, uh, they would be so pissed. And they'd be like, my kid has everything except the stupid right leg. And I can't find it anywhere. And I was like, hey, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like I think, I think the goal here was to trick you into coming McDon- into McDonald's, and seems like they succeeded. So I don't know, I don't know who the idiot is here. But uh, the other big one, the like super big one, was Beanie Babies. And you know, like McDonald's, I got I got my you know problems with McDonald's, but at the same time, I'm sort of like, well. People treat McDonald's, I think, like the way they treated James Frey, which is like, this guy's the big history's greatest monster. And I'm like, eh, I think we're kind of blaming him for doing what everybody did, right? Like, it's like, oh, his memoir is exaggerated and he lied about it and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, who's confirming everything that Joan Didion said? You know what I mean? But, um, and McDonald's is like that too. It's like, they take all this shit for, oh, they appealed to kids and whatever. And then meanwhile, like from the McDonald's I worked in, you could look down the road to a Burger King that had like the BK Kids Club. And, they, you know, they had just as much shit. I mean, it, it was no different. Wendy's had toys, you know what I mean? Everybody did that. And maybe McDonald's invented the idea, but I, I don't know. Anyway, uh... Beanie Babies were weird because so they had Beanie Babies in Happy Meals and it was like special limited Beanie Babies. And what they would do is, you know, it would be like, okay, on Monday, we're going to have this octopus Beanie Baby. And the way it goes is we sell the octopus until we're out of them and then we move on to the next one. So the result was I came in this one day and, I, you know, I didn't know about this because, I mean... Shocker of shockers, like they didn't consult with fucking 15 year old me about uh, how they were going to run their, you know, campaigns and their attempts to have beanie babies and shit. So I come in um, and the lobby is full 
of people. Now, this is almost entirely adults. The only kids who came in for the Beanie Babies were kids whose moms made them. It was almost all moms. Um, and the kids were uh, ones whose moms made them come in because, you know, there's a limit of like two per customer or something. And so basically the entire day was selling Beanie Babies. And at some point, our manager, and I think this was a rogue decision, but a good one. So usually you could just buy a Happy Meal toy. Like if you came in and you just wanted to buy the toy, you could. There was, I don't know, a set price for them. And you would just charge them that much. And it was probably kind of a ripoff, but whatever. If you needed that left leg oscilloscope for Inspector Gadget to get your kid to shut the fuck up, I guess it'd be worth it. So on Beanie Baby Day, though, I think he pretty quickly decided, like, you got to buy something. You have to buy an item uh, in order to buy a Beanie Baby. So, you know, you can't just buy it. And I think maybe that was a thing of, like, we aren't selling any food here. We're just selling Beanie Babies, and I don't know how much money they were making off of that. I'm sure the, the Happy Meal toys weren't, like, a big money maker. Right. What you want, you want people to buy a soda because it costs McDonald's, you know, fractions of a cent to fill a 20 ounce soda in a paper cup. And you charge someone a buck and then you're like, well, we just made a shitload of money. The margin on that is great. So I think that day, you know, and so what would happen is someone comes up to the register and they're like, what's the cheapest thing then since I have to buy something? So we ran out of ice cream cones because those were like 50 cents or something for like a tiny cone. We ran out of like the McDonald Land cookies because those were probably like 50 cents. I think apple pies were like three for a dollar or something like that. And we ran out of those, you know, so it kept escalating through the day. And you're like, I know it would be asking a lot for you to buy like a 79 cent cheeseburger or something. But what the fuck, man? Like, you're going to be standing around here all day anyway. But so then it was like we would sell through the octopus and we'd get to the next one. And then, you know, the manager would like announce that we're, oh, we're moving on to the the little cat thing. And there would be like a cheer in the lobby and then people desperately trying to get to the register to get one. And I, I still remember this day because it was like I worked like a four hour shift. But I think Beanie Babies were only the first two hours of the shift and then after that we were out or something or it was done for the day so i was sitting outside and the this manager comes outside and she was like um so you were working the register and i was like yeah and she's like do you know how much you made on your register in those two hours and i was like i don't know she's like fifteen hundred dollars and i was like oh that's a that seems like a good chunk of change I don't know what I typically make on in that same two hours, but I'm guessing it's like 80 bucks. And then she's like, do you know how far off you were? And I was like, no. And she was like, 40 cents. And she was really pumped about that. And then was like, so they sometimes you would get this reward, which was a, you know, wooden token for a free meal at McDonald's. And so she got me one of those. Um, which, you know, even I guess at 15, I was already cynical because I was like, you know, I know there's a certain percentage you could be off. I don't know what it was, but 
I'm, I'm guessing like if you were less than 10% off or something that they were just like, whatever. So I was kind of like, oh, I probably could have taken a $20 bill out of there and you guys still would have been fine with that. But, you know, I guess you'll just like pacify me with three bucks worth of food or something. But uh, that's that's my Beanie Baby story. I have a Beanie Baby story, if you can believe it. I don't think I ever owned a Beanie Baby. I never got into the craze. I think fortunately for me, the craze was when I was like 14 or 15. And so Beanie Babies were stuffed animals. And that was like too childlike at the time when I was, you know, you're like 14 or 15. And the the thing you want most in the world is to not be a child. So it hit at the just the right time for me. All right, next we've got Cook's Source Infringement Controversy. This publication drew backlash after it committed copyright infringement, oh my god, by using an online article without permission for commercial purposes. This backlash further increased due to Cook's Source's responses, which showed a misunderstanding of copyright and an increasing agitation to the original writer of the article. I'm going to have to click on this because I don't, I don't feel like I understand this story. This was in 2010 when Cook's Source, a free advertising-supported publication distributed in the New England region of the United States, okay, became the center of an infringement dispute after the magazine reprinted an online article without permission of the author. Um, oh, they found more infringement and plagiarism. That's interesting. Um, at the same time, the responses by the Cook's Source editor may well become a digital textbook example of how not to respond to grievances in the internet age. <laughs> the incident was named Journalistic Error of the Year for 2010 by Craig Silverman on his website, Regret the Error. Um, that would be fun. I think a uh, helpful snowman could win Journalistic Error of the Year. Any, many of our years, I think, would probably work. Um, oh, and this person from... I see what happened. The person from Cook's whatever said that uh, all web content is considered public domain. <laughs> well, that that's probably not going to work. I mean, to be fair, uh, two things about this. You know, I, yeah, I'm... I understand copyright and whatever. However, two things I want to say. One, um, probably, you know, from the year like 2000 to apparently 2010, you could probably run like a tiny little magazine just in a town or something. And um, you could probably get away with this, right? You could probably get away with like, uh, we just kind of ripped stuff off of the internet and put it in our magazine. And that's how we roll now? Seems possible. Um, how would you get caught? Like, who's going to know? I mean, this is a magazine in like, I don't know, New England, tiny, probably like Rhode Island or some shit. This guy is just doing like a article, you know, recipes or articles about food or something. So they just copy and paste them in. Who's going to know? How are they going to know? Yeah, I think you could get away with it. So, number one is, I guess you could probably have gotten away for it. That was a, 
a wild westy period of the you know like if you'd gone in the early 2000s and just taken a bunch of shit from like angel fire and thrown it in a newsletter who's gonna find it it's not like you could just type it into google the same stuff that you took from the article and then have that you know what i mean that's not gonna work so uh i get it the other one though is like I guess at that time, it seems to me that, you know, the internet was different. So it's like, yeah, who does own the content on the internet? I don't know when copyright law totally caught up with internet and when internet would count as something being fixed in a medium and therefore eligible for copyright. You know what I mean? Basically that you've owned the rights to it because you fixed it in a medium. Does putting it on a blog count as that? I don't know. I don't know. Elf yourself and Scrooge yourself. <laughs> hey, go elf yourself. Scrooge yourself is funnier. Go Scrooge yourself. Interactive websites created by Jason Zada and Evolution Bureau for Office Max's holiday season advertising campaign. Elf yourself allows visitors to upload images of themselves or their friends. Oh, I remember this. And see them as dancing elves. And includes options to save or share the video. According to ClickZee, visiting the Elf Yourself site has become an annual tradition that people look forward to. According to who? Who's the ClickZee? Is that the people who make the website? Everyone looks forward to elfing yourself. While not selling any one specific product, the two were created to raise consumer awareness of the sponsoring firm. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I guess that was an amazing technology at the time, right? You basically could, you could upload like everyone in your office. They would throw their faces onto a bunch of elves and they would sing like a little song. So it looked like someone made an animated video of everyone's face. Um, let's see. Flex tape. An infomercial of the product Flex tape. It became a meme after YouTuber JonTron made a video reviewing the infomercial. The flex tape infomercial is pretty good. I mean, you know, uh, I think that the the key for um, a good infomercial is a host that's probably using cocaine, maybe smelling salts. Maybe they're using a perfectly legal thing. They take a hit off the smelling salts and then just go for a minute and then calm down and then start, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. But, um... You gotta have that host. You gotta, I like when the host too, I think that flex tape guy looked like a guy who was just maybe his heart was gonna explode at any moment. But he was also kinda ripped, you know, and he was very red. Um, <laughs> but you know, he looked like he was a strong guy, but also you're like, I don't know, maybe I could, if I went up a flight of stairs, it'd be like the reverse of the Ed 209 and Robocop. Because if I went up the flight of stairs, he would just be like, nope, there's nothing I can do. He's up, he's up the stairs. <laughs> but uh, that I think then the product is the other big key. The product has to be something that nobody really needs. And that also, you know it cannot possibly work the way they're saying it works. You just know. Looking at it, you're like, no, I don't think so. And like, you know, flex tape is like, oh, you could tape a bunch of boards together and have a boat. 
I think that's how the flex tape one ends is he has like a, a boat, cuts it in half, and then he t- flex tapes it back together. And then he's like going on the uh, he's it's like a fan boat and he's flying across the Everglades. Maybe that was flex seal, which is glue instead of tape, you know, <laughs> but it's got to be a product where we're like, you know, when people first started doing this, I, I kind of get it. Because especially as a kid and stuff, I'm like, well, obviously I don't have a need for tape that could seal a boat together. But like, if I'm using tape for something, why not use a tape that's capable of sealing a boat together? You know what I mean? Like, why not? Why would I deny myself that opportunity? So uh, I think that's kind of how that whole thing works. And it's kind of it's kind of brilliant. It's just fun to watch. But, uh, all right, flex tape. Uh, Freecreditreport.com. A series of TV commercials that were posted on the internet. Many spoofs of the commercials were made and posted on YouTube. Um, Should I look at this YouTube page? I mean, is this just going to tell me about credit scores? Okay, it was a singing ad campaign. Uh, Ad campaign... Featuring singer Eric Violette as a man struggling with difficult life circumstances due to his poor credit scar- score and his ignorance of it. Uh, the commercials feature jingles written using various distinctive forms of popular music. To date, the company has aired nine different commercials, which have aired in different orders in different markets. The commercials featuring Violette and his band stopped airing in February 2010 as a new band was brought in. <laughs> Oh my god, in June 2012, the original band returned in a new commercials as a part of a, quote, comeback campaign. I like that it's in, quotes, comeback campaign. That may be quotes that are like, that's what they called it. That may be quotes as in, we're buying this about as much as you are. Let's see, uh, they had themes and motifs included a pirate-themed seafood restaurant living with in-laws, Used car, bicycle riding, Rockstar's pool. What the fuck? Um, okay, whatever. I guess they had a band. Who cares? Head on. A June 2006 advertisement for a homeopathic product claimed to relieve headaches. Ads featured the tagline, head on, applied directly to the forehead. <laughs> Stated three times in succession, in succession, accompanied by a video of a model using the product without ever directly stating the product's purpose. <laughs> the ads were successfully parodied on sites such as YouTube, and rapper Lil Jon even made fun of it. Um, alright. <laughs> I'm picturing like a chapstick that you put on your head? Let's see. Let's see if we can find uh, a head-on commercial. If that's a uh, easily accessible option for us here. Head-on. Don't don't put anything gross on here. Head-on. Uh medicine? Yeah, okay. Uh Head-on commercial? You know, I'm not finding this. This is weird. Head-on commercial. 
Oh, here we go. Because it's all one word. Apply directly to forehead. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> There's a lady in front of the laser background from my school pictures in fourth grade. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. This is not me doing an effect or something weird. This is how the, this is how the commercial works. So just listen. I mean, they like badly looped her. They didn't even do a good job looping her, which I guess I shouldn't expect, but. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Available at Walgreens. Head on. Apply directly. <laughs> That's the whole commercial. Um, it, it just repeated, but like, head on. Oh my God. Of course, you can watch 10 hours of of this. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. 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 Head on. Oh my god. Now I don't know like what if what I saw was legitimate or not. Head on annoying headache commercial. Let's see. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Okay. <laughs> it is a lady in fact. Who looks like, uh, who's that lady we sent to jail, thank God? Got her off the streets, Aunt Becky. Um, and she's like, just a big fat chapstick. And she's, chaps chapstick. A big fat chapstick that she's just doing across her forehead. It looks like, she has this face that's like, you know, she's obviously trying to be professional. But at the, <laughs> at the same time, it's like... <laughs> She's clearly like, I don't know what I'm doing. Is this real? Is this actually what you, you had me come in for this? Head on, apply directly to the forehead. I guess like, I, I don't understand either. Even if it worked for a headache, is that better than like Tylenol or something? You got like a grease stain across your fucking forehead. Your headache's cured, but uh, now you got acne, I guess. All right, we've got Little Darth Vader, an advertisement by Volkswagen featuring young Max Page dressed in a Darth Vader costume. Who's Max Page? Is he just young Darth Vader? Okay. Running around his house trying to use, quote, the force. It was released on the internet a few days prior to Super Bowl something in 2011 and quickly became popular. It was the most shared ad of all time. I don't care. I mean, an advertisement for Volkswagen featuring a Star Wars thing. I remember they had this commercial. I don't know if it was like when Star Wars Battlefront came out or if it was like when maybe when Star Wars Force Awakens came out or something. And it was like a car commercial, you know, and there were like AT-ATs or something. And then a little car like driving all fast as shit through the snow or like it it sort of looked like the car was part of the rebel assault or the rebel defense on Hoth or something and I was like mm, I you can have like a, a we didn't we learn this lesson like in World War Two like airplane better than than car for this sort of thing I would think also giant walking fortress probably better than car 
basically every option they had tauntaun like who's gonna who's gonna get in a volkswagen when it's like well you could ride a tauntaun all right i'm gonna do it you can't cut open a volkswagen and get in there and get warmed up lowermybills.com Banner ads from this mortgage company featured endless loops of cowboys, women, aliens, and office workers dancing. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, the man your man could smell like. A television commercial star- starring Isaiah Mustafa reciting a quick deadpan monologue while shirtless about how anything is possible if men use Old Spice. Oh, okay, he's like the Old Spice guy. Yeah, I never got that. That was never a big one for me. I think maybe because to me, Old Spice, I don't dislike how it smells, but I've always figured Old Spice is like, that's what your grandpa wears. That's like every grandpa I knew had Old Spice. Like, it was, you know, they're all fucking sailors out there or something. That little milk bottle that Old Spice used to come in. Does it still? Um... Mac Tonight slash Moon Man. Now this I remember. A McDonald's commercial made to promote dinner sales. Starting in 2007, the character in the commercial Mac Tonight was utilized in videos where he is depicting, depicted promoting violence against minorities and promoting the KKK with racist parodies of rap songs. <laughs> the best known parody, Notorious KKK, a parody of Hypnotize by the Notorious B.I.G., has accumulated over 119,000 views on YTMND. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know. I thought this was going to be about... And then I was like, 2007? That was like 20 years after Mac Tonight's time. I didn't... (laughs) I did not realize he's (laughs) depicted promoting violence against minorities and promoting the KKK. (laughs) <laughs> I, this this is the fascinating side of internet culture to me because it's like how did this get started how did someone see that and be like I, I, you know it'd be funny as if this guy was like talking about beating up minorities <laughs> a man who's got a moon for a head and a suit on and sunglasses who was basically created to promote like hey you could go to uh, McDonald's for like a dinner think about that and then they're like or you could like beat up a latino person (laughs) like how how do you what is that leap well how does that even happen i can sometimes i can go down the rabbit hole with somebody and i can see how all right i had this idea then i came across this thing and i was like oh that's perfect but uh we really need a behind the music for this kind of thing Nope, Chuck Testa, a local commercial made for Ojai Valley Taxidermy owned by Chuck Testa, suggesting that that the stuffed creatures were alive until Testa appeared, saying, Nope, Chuck Testa. The ads went viral. Sure. I mean, I think there was, it was only a brief, brief golden moment when the internet and local commercials existed. You know what I mean? That wasn't, there wasn't like enough wasn't a lengthy crossover there, and I think that's kind of a shame, but it is what it is. And uh, I guess there was bound to be a couple of these and a Winnebago man and so on. 
Pepsi Max and Jeff Gordon present test drive. A short, <laughs> a short film where NASCAR driver Jeff Gordon poses as an average car buyer to prank a car's salesman. A sequel, Test Drive 2, was released the following year with Jeff Gordon pranking a writer who had branded the original video as fake. I mean, okay, that's, I guess, a funny idea, but I don't understand what that has to do with Pepsi at all. I get, was Jeff Gordon, was he like driving for Pepsi? I guess maybe that was it. I don't know. I'm not super familiar with NASCAR. But all right, that's fine. This would be a great jackass type thing, right? Like you get like a fucking amazing Tokyo drifter to show up and test drive a Prius or something. Rivals. A commercial for video game retailer EB Games that promoted Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. The commercial drew criticism for its concept and the performance of its actors. <laughs> uh, let's just see what this says. I, I think I need a little more information on that. Does this have any like... Well, let's see. EB Games. Rivals. Uh, we can just watch it. And then we can see maybe this is the, uh... Okay, there's... Hold on. There's two dudes in a parking lot. Uh, and they have their gamer tags show up. One guy seems to be wearing, like, a bulletproof vest, and the other guy's wearing just, like... Normal ass clothes. Looks like a accountant. Okay, then they look at EB Games, then at each other. Then they're like running towards EB Games. Whoa, hey guys. <laughs> like tackling each other. Guys, welcome to EB Games. Call of Duty. Advanced Warfare. Xbox, Xbox One. Copy that. Save $10. <laughs> it's on Call of Duty for Xbox One. <laughs> They were fighting each other. Now, I think this guy who works at... This is an extremely cheap-looking commercial. Um, but I think this guy who works in the GameStop, or the EB Games, is, like, the most hilarious actor I've ever seen. Whoa. Hey, guys. Welcome to EB Games. Call of Duty. Advanced Warfare. Xbox, Xbox One. One. Copy that. Save $10. <laughs> He's got this smile on his face. It's like, it looks like he doesn't even know where he is. Like, I don't know. They just found him outside and they were like, we've been in this commercial. I, I'm not sure. Uh, commercial drew criticism for its concept and the performances of its actors. I mean, the concept is dumb, but the, the performance is really pretty hilarious um shake weight oh yeah infomercial clips of the modified dumbbell went viral as a result of the product's sexually suggestive nature <laughs> now shake weight is one that i was like all right i bet when this came out you know they were like i wonder if they knew 
but you know they couldn't have known i think that like it would be as big as it was it seems like what probably happened is they put out this exercise device and then they were someone i'm sure you know on the crew or something was like uh so is this a thing that you practice jerking off a dick and that's exercise. I mean, I guess that's a form of exercise if you do it vigorously. But uh, then I, I, I would think like ninety percent of the shake weights were purchased as a gag. But I mean, eh, gag money spends, right? So maybe it worked out for them in the end because it was like, well, the shake weight was pretty popular. I mean, I've seen them in like thrift stores and stuff, which does make me wonder: like, is this just a gag? If I had a thrift store and I had a section for like gag gifts, which is what I definitely would do because I'd be like, you know, someone might actually want this, but I think this would be, if I put it in a gag gift section, maybe people would come over here. Shake weight would definitely go in there. And, you know, I've seen them in the thrift store in the box because they were <laughs> Oh, what would you do for a Klondike bar? A slogan at the end of commercials advertising the ice cream sandwich Klondike bar. People on YouTube and Facebook began posting videos depicting people in dangerous and absurdist situations attempting to reach a Klondike bar in response to the slogan. Eh, it's good clean fun, so we have no use for that. Uh, will it blend? Oh, I remember this. The blender product Blendtec, claimed by its creator Tom Dixon to be the most powerful blender, is featured in a series of YouTube videos, Will It Blend, where numerous food and non-food items are used within the blender. I think that's the key, is the non-food items. Again, infomercial, right? Uh, same principles apply. Do I need a blender that's capable of blending anything? Of course not. Yeah. Do I need a blender that I could put um, a cowboy boot inside of and it turns into a liquid? No. You know what I mean? That's like, uh, I don't know. Do I need a, uh, a doorbell that is so loud it shatters the windows? I mean, in theory, you can set that up as something I need in the commercial, right? Because you can be like, this ever happened to you? And then uh, I miss the doorbell. I'm like, yeah, I guess. But, you know, then they present the alternative as, well, get something so fucking powerful that that's impossible. All right, this is the last of this section. Extra normal, just spelled with an extra normal. A website allowing users to create videos by scripting the dialogue and choosing from a menu of camera angles and pre-designed CGI characters and scenes. Though originally designed to be used to aid storyboard development for filmmakers... The site quickly became popular after videos made with the tool, including iPhone 4 versus HTC Evo, became viral. Okay, sure. Should I look at this? I mean, is this like... I wonder if I'd recognize this. Nomal? N-A-W-M-A-L? What the hell? What the hell? Um, oh, okay. See also Powtoon. Gotcha. That tells me everything I need to know. Well, I think that's going to cut it for uh, for today's episode. And we, <laughs> we only got through one category, but maybe we'll come back. I mean, there it's just weird to look at these things because I know I kept saying, I remember that, which was really helpful. But uh, I remembered some of it. 
And I'm proud of myself because I have a shitty memory. So, you know, eat me. I, I'm happy that I remembered things. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, a bunch of you fuckers got, uh, you know, pushed like and the heart button and stuff on my birthday because I gave away free ebooks. And I asked for reviews for my birthday. And I didn't get any. So what did you like? Hmm? You liked someone else giving them? Uh, point being, give me a review of a book. Look me up on Amazon or Goodreads. Click all the stars you can. See you next time.